Welcome to Grace in Public, preaching and teaching in the heartland and all around the world. Welcome to the program. We have a great program ahead. Please enjoy this clip about expectation. Philippians chapter 2. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, then there may or may not be. Third class condition, if any comfort of love, and there may or may not be. Third class condition. Don't you, you remember if and it's going to happen, or it is, if and it may, it isn't, if and it may or may not. If there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if there's any bowels and mercy, fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded. Having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. But this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but who made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a slave, and was made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The Lord Jesus Christ, after we we're all guilty. Was resurrected. And the one that bore all of our sins and all of the penalty of sin, that was guilty of death, though he knew no sin, comes out of the grave and everyone says, we're all right. We're alive. He's alive. Therefore, we've been forgiven. There is no condemnation. This is the tremendous principle that God gives us of reconciliation. Having made peace through his blood, or the blood of the cross, to reconcile all things by himself, whether they be on earth or in heaven. Much more being justified... By his blood, we are saved from the wrath to come. And if when we were enemies to God, we were reconciled by his death, much more shall we be saved by his uncreated life. Not only so, but we'll rejoice in him by whom we have received the redemption. And so the Lord Jesus Christ, 
reconciles us, but there's no reconciliation at any time except through the death of the cross. Therefore, if, well, there are a lot of reasons that thousands and thousands of people have no ministry of reconciliation and have no word of reconciliation, and thousands of Christians do not. Because they do not operate through death with Christ or the blood on the cross. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that we have an old man, an old sin nature, knew that he had to prepare a place for that old man while we were on earth and in time. And this goes beyond what we said about this a year ago. And all of a sudden, he goes to the cross and he dies as a slave guilty before the Father. And in that death of Jesus Christ, he reconciled us. But now we do not take up our cross daily. So we have no ministry of reconciliation. Because instead of entering into his death of the old man, and what was the place prepared for that death? The cross. He prepared a place for the old man so we could live as those that were alive from the dead in Romans 6.13. There are precious folks today that have no idea if they were under the gun and under pressure and being viciously attacked what that means. They read it, they like to hear about it, and they especially like the fact that they've been reconciled to God. But I don't have to give you the verses, but in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19, God, through the Apostle Paul, told us to have the ministry of reconciliation and the word of reconciliation as God's ambassadors. Now, God has, for those who have this very special ministry of reconciliation through their death with Christ retroactive 2,000 years ago. God has constantly new degrees of glory for us to enter into. And as he establishes the potential and possibility and privilege of these new degrees of glory. For example, I'm at a certain state now, and if I'm really right with God next week, I'll have new degrees of glory. That means new categories of reflecting Christ's nature under pressure. New ability. Just one week from now. And as we behold, the Lord is in a mirror, or his face is in a glass. And we are changed by the same Spirit from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So every believer should always live in the expectation and anticipation of his new glory, reflecting the very attributes of God. Now, as we believe and trust God, and enter into this amazing privilege, we understand there are three problems in this world that are very serious. One is physical. And with that, the physical body comes sickness, disease, needs. 
The second one is mental. All kinds of things happening to the mind, the mentality of the soul. And the third one is moral. Immorality goes way beyond adultery and fornication. Immorality is not loving a brother, for example, in his highest sin. And not speaking properly to people in communication. That is indeed immorality. And that is why spiritual light, as we have taught, excels moral light. And moral light has to be under spiritual light. And that's why Jesus said to the woman taken in adultery, when the accusers were placed out, put out, he hollered and said, I am the light of the world. Meaning, you tried to get her on an immoral act. But I'm coming in with spiritual light because I stood at her place on Calvary and bore her sins. And because of that, and she did call him Lord, so apparently she was a saved woman that committed fornication or adultery. Now, what God is after in our lives, he has, in a glorious way, built hedges around us. And so that takes us into the doctrine of hedges. You remember what Satan said in verse 9 of Job 1? He said, you've placed a hedge around Job, and that's why he lives properly. If you'd remove the hedge. And so God removed the hedge. Now, God has placed a hedge around us. He's placed a wall of fire around us. And therefore, if you think with me carefully, the Word of God says that every good and perfect gift comes from above. And it says that what God does is take care of us in Psalm 144.7 from above. In Psalm 139 verse 5, he said, I beset you behind and before with my hand upon thee. And then he said, listen, not only do I go before thee in John 10.3 and 4, but my word goes behind you in Isaiah 30 verse 21. And not only that, I am beneath you in Deuteronomy 33.27. And I am in you, Colossians 1.27. And my promises go with you all the way in 2 Corinthians 1.20. And you put them all together. I'm above you. I'm below you. I'm in you. I'm for you in Romans 8.31. I'm behind you. I'm underneath you. And what more do you want? And if you can't understand that divine envelopment, you sure have a problem in your thinking process. In other words, I'm everywhere. Now, somebody constantly says, in principle, they don't say it in this ministry, but in principle they say, I've got to be me. In fact, they do say it in this ministry, come to think about it. The first thing that we have to understand with God is the Bible says, I've got to be His. I am His. He bought me, paid to me, owns me. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 20. So, if I went to the average psychiatrist or psychologist today, the average one, they would try to deliver me and liberate me so I could be me. And they'll get me in real trouble with God. No, I've got to be his. 
And therefore, even as Jonah in chapter 1, verse 17, went away from the presence of God, and what did God do in Jonah? Prepared a great fish. And what did Jesus do for our old man? Prepared a great cross, a death, a burial. Already executed, already exercised, once and for all and forever. And so, understanding this, we must realize that we don't have to live in the addictions of the world. There are many kinds of addictions. Insecurity, poor self-image, fear. Not trusting people. All addictions, not just drugs and liquor and alcohol. Not just sex. But an addiction is where somebody is psychologically in bondage and has no ability to get out of it. And they are simply addicted. And that person refuses to go through death and burial, and resurrection. They'll just say, I can't do it. They don't do it. And so they're not delivered. Well, Psalm 144.7 says that his hand is above me, delivering me. Notice that. Delivering me. So what God wants us to do today, he wants us to enter into a very unique understanding of how to build hedges around people that we love. That means prayer, the Holy Spirit coming out from us, the Word of God flowing through us, faith, grace. And if we see people that are absolutely scandalizing the Word of God, scandalizing the grace that saved them, the thing we have to do is become hedges and not hedges of thorns in Proverbs 15.19. Not that kind of a hedge or hedges of evil in Hosea 2.6. But we have to build around people, as the Word of God says in Mark 12, verse 1, that they had a vineyard and they put a hedge around the vineyard. And every single Christian is a part of the vineyard. And we need to put a hedge around the vineyard. And when the hedge isn't around the vineyard, the vineyard begins to deteriorate. And animals come in and destroy it. And it no longer has its value. So what I want you to see today in closing, that when a Christian walks in his steps through his walking power in 1 Peter 2.21, then all of a sudden, in the mystery of godliness, through the master and means of God's provision, this is what happens. I begin to have empathy and the capacity to identify with, with whoever falls. And I take myself through empathy 
Oh, no, did Jesus Christ have to have empathy for the physical ills, for the mental ills, for the moral ills? He had to have tremendous empathy because he never did any of those things. So he had to have empathy. And one of the things that happens when a child of God begins to recognize that the weakest person needs help. The worst sinner needs to be loved. Pastor Jack told of this illustration that in New York, recently there was a pastor that consistently spoke on grace. And then he came down with cancer at a very young age. The cancer went out. By the time he discovered it, it was through his, at his young age, through his whole body. And the pastor said, I have preached grace. But I have no idea what it means. And I've scandalized grace because of my lack of peace. My lack of faith rest. He said, I've scandalized grace. Well, it's easy to scandalize grace. And in closing, I want you to see with me that as we go from depending upon some addiction, and that's what it is, psychological dependence. And and what we do is we psychologically are dependent. Some people are dependent on the strangest things. They're depending on feeling sorry for themselves. And they almost really have an addiction of self-pity. Others have a dependence on they got to be right. And others have a dependence upon criticizing, complaining, murmuring. These are all different kinds of addiction. And unhappiness becomes an addiction. I'm depending on myself to have a reason to be unhappy. And Jesus said, I have come that they might have life. Obviously, drinking and drugs, lust, they're all things that people psychologically depend upon for their, for their stimulation in wrong kinds of pleasure. And sublimation for the troubled and distressed soul which cannot find its way in peace. But we have such a privilege through the Lord Jesus Christ to let the liberty of the Holy Spirit, because we have a place for our sin, a place for our old man to go and stay, a place for his burial, as Jonah had the great fish to go into. And as... The fish vomited up Jonah, as repeated in Matthew 12:39. Even so, resurrection brings us out of death. And when we see that that is resurrected, I am no longer guilty. Everything's been paid for. I'm alive from the dead. And it's a beautiful thing. And, and I don't know that the disciples understood it in the book of Acts in the early days. But if they did, when they saw Jesus alive as they saw him, they could have said, we are really forgiven. He's alive. God has accepted him as our sin bearer. 
There is no payment from us for our sins. Because he's alive. And in closing, one of the great things about the glorified Christ, the ascended Christ, we went halfway with this today. We want to close by going all the way. When we see the wounds in his hands, even after the former things are taken away, in Revelation 21.4, when we see the nail scars in his hands, side, and feet, when there's no remembrance of sin, when the former things pass away, why then will he in eternity and his glorified body have the nail scars? He does not want to remind us of sin because we are living in perfection like unto him. The reason is this. It will not remind us of our sins. It will only remind us of the sacrifice of love. Not to sin because the former things have passed away. The sins have been buried into the sea of God's forgetfulness. They no longer exist. So the reason they'll be there is every move in heaven. Love, love, love from him to you. And it's made you conform to his image. We'd love to hear from you, so please go to our website and contact us. The web address is www.graceinpublic.com. It was a good word. There was a lot in there. It's, it's amazing when we have an expectation from God, an expectation about His resurrection. There's a lot of definition given in there about dependence, about addiction, Christ's empathy for us. Really, we have an expectation for other people. We we pray. It puts a hedge around other people. That is amazing. That God would answer our prayers because we have an expectation for people. Do you have an expectation in your life about what God will do in your life? Do you have that expectation? Has the resurrection of Jesus Christ filled you with hope? I, I would say this because there are these right expectations we can have from God. And it really starts with knowing God and receiving Jesus Christ as our Savior. enables us to have those correct expectations from God. And it causes us to leave behind those addictions, those burdens of sin, because we have that expectation from God. So if you've not received Christ as your Savior before, would you do it right now? It's a transaction that you do by faith where you ask God. You you invest your belief in that death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. You receive by faith the gift of salvation. Let's pray together. This is an opportunity right now. I really, if you've never done this before, I urge you to do it the quietness of your home, wherever you are listening to this program, would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I, I cry out to you. I, I want to have an expectation from God. I want to have an expectation about the resurrection. I want to be excited when I read those words that you were raised from the dead, knowing that I 
to share in that, that you were crucified, yet somehow I was crucified with you. You died, yet somehow that death is put on my account, and you rose from the dead, and I want that same resurrection life in me. Now I know that you've done it for me, God. I've heard the gospel. It says that you care for me and that you would save me. So I am placing my expectation in you because of these truths. And I'm asking you to come into my life and transform me. I believe that what you did was for me. And I'm asking you, Lord, be my Savior. Change me. Transform me. Only you can do it. I'm not coming because I'm good. I'm coming because you've made the offer and I'm receiving it with nothing to give you but the willingness to receive a free gift. In Jesus' name, I pray this prayer by faith. Amen.